Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. I strongly support and value the uniqueness of all individuals and provide a safe community where diversity is embraced. Through my mentorship and signature program called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information and to get on the wait list for any of my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I just wanted to jump in to do a quick pre-intro intro for this episode. Uh, this episode is going to be an interview, and you're going to hear about it when I launch into the intro of the guest, which will come up next. I wanted to start out this episode by letting you know if you're listening to this in the week that it is released, which it's being released on Monday, April. 12th, 2021. I am hosting a workshop this Thursday, April 15th, 2021, all about hip anatomy. We'll go into the bony structure of the hip, muscles of the hip, movement that the pelvis makes, which is really important to understand as a yoga teacher. And we'll apply it all through different examples, postures, cues, and sequencing. So to sign up for this workshop, which is this coming Thursday, April 15th, 2021 at 5 p.m. Eastern time, just visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, click the events page, and you'll see the registration link there. And everyone that registers gets my ebook currently sold on Amazon for $5.99 for free. This is my ebook where I share my own system for how to understand the why behind the cues. You'll get that for free when you register. If you can't make the event live, the replay will be up for 48 hours after the event. I do hope to see you there live though, because it's a great way for us to go over questions that you have and really make the information come to life. So this Thursday, the 15th of April, 2021, 5 p.m. Eastern time, sign up for the workshop on hip anatomy. The cost is just $25 only, very inexpensive. And I hope to see you there. Let's launch into the intro for today's episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 125. So I'm recording this on Monday, April 12th. 2021. And it is the start, the start of a new brand new week. So first of all, if you're listening to this on Monday, I want to wish you a really good week, a productive week, a healthy week, uh, and maybe a week filled with even a little bit of fun. I hope to have some of that myself. Um, 
I want to, this is going to be a special episode because I have a dear friend of mine coming on the show and I'm interviewing her. She's someone I've known for a long time. And recently she has just achieved something amazing. And I thought she would make a perfect podcast guest because she is so inspiring and what she has achieved is really a dream that she's had for a very long time. So this touches on, although she's not in the yoga field per se, she is a yoga teacher. Uh, and that, uh, while that is not where she's focusing her efforts right now, which you'll hear about in the interview, there are so many themes in her life that I think we can learn from. I, I certainly know I've learned from them. And I'm so excited to have you meet her on today's episode. I want to just start out, I'm going to give you a little intro background on her. Um, before I do that, I just want to start out by thanking all the new subscribers. I've seen a number of new alerts on my Podbean account. And so I just want to give a shout out to those subscribers who are new on any platform coming at me from YouTube or Podbean or iTunes, of course. Uh, so just thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast. I also want to let you know that um, I really appreciate the comments and feedback and emails. I've gotten um, several over the past several months and years, actually. Um, and recently, it's really picked up. And so I really appreciate hearing from you and hearing the kinds of things that inspire you when you listen and even topics that you'd like to hear discussed. So don't forget, don't uh, be shy. Feel free to send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com and let me know what you'd like to hear of or what you'd like to hear more about in the podcast. Uh, I also wanna let you know last week, on last week's episode, I did a whole deep dive into my own breakdown of anatomy in terms of how to learn it, how to come up with a, an approach to learn it. And along with that episode, I offered a free download, which is called 10 Key Steps to Learning Anatomy. Well, I was blown away by how many people not only listened to that episode, but downloaded the um, free guide. So I want to just, if you miss that, you can always go back and listen to that episode. If you want to just skip right to the download, just go to my website, barebonesyoga.com. And right on the homepage, you're going to see a download uh, button. And it's for the uh, document called 10 Key Steps to Learning Anatomy. And this is um, really a systematic way to approach learning anatomy if you're kind of going it solo. I get so many emails from teachers saying they didn't learn enough in their training. And so now they're trying to fill in the blanks and they're out there on their own. They don't have a mentor um, for whatever reason, they're not ready or able to invest money in a training program. So they're trying to approach anatomy, uh, learning it solo. And that can be really hard and really isolating. And really, you can waste a lot of time going down different rabbit holes that you don't need to. So download my free guide, learn the different uh, steps you can take, and it will save you time and aggravation, and um, hopefully help you create a self-study program that will be a little more efficient uh, and results-driven. So I want to skip over now to telling you a little bit about Margaret Furtado. Uh, Margaret is someone who I've known for a long time. She and I both practiced at the Baptiste Studios in Boston. When I began teaching there, she regularly attended my classes. So I got to see her, uh, you know, pretty regularly. Uh, I'll, I'll go into it in the episode. I have a very vivid memory of the last time I saw her, which was many years ago, because we both moved, she's moved out of Boston and 
uh, I'm still in Boston, but our paths don't cross anymore because she's not here. Uh, however, due to the joys of social media, uh, I'm able to keep in touch with her. And I've been following her journey as she has gone into medical school. And you'll hear a little bit about what makes that unique. She already had a very well-established uh, reputation and um, career in nutrition. And she always had a dream of being a physician. <clears throat> and this is a really special story because she and I are around the same age. We're in our fifties. And as you can imagine, many of the students who go into medical school are younger and she did not let that deter her. And I know from talking to a lot of yoga teachers, especially um, teachers in my own program who are over the age of, I don't know, let's just say 35 or 40, sometimes that comes up, the issue of age, the issue of making a change and taking on a new, um, I guess you could say role or career or pursuing something new, especially in an industry that uh, has a lot of younger people and really questioning, you know, can I make an impact? Can I relate to people? And some of those things that come up. So there are a lot of themes of that in this. There's also though a big theme of going after your dreams. And I know, again, for a lot of yoga teachers, they have a dream of being a confident, effective teacher, and they're not quite sure how to get there. And while some of that is semantics, um, and some of that is, is kind of the academic kind of logical steps from a training perspective, a lot of it is mindset. And we go into a lot of this today on the episode. So you'll hear from Margaret about her story. She, I don't want to necessarily kind of share all the surprises, but she just had a really big win in her path to becoming a physician. And rather than going into that in extraordinary detail, I'm going to let you wait to hear it from her in the episode. She is a registered dietitian, as I said, She's uh, just finished medical school and now she's moving on and she has, you know, just uh, uh, achieved a goal that she had in terms of where she's going to be continuing her studies and her training, her training really. So with that, I want to turn you over to this episode, my dear friend, Margaret Furtado. I am so excited for you to uh, meet her to learn from her. And I really, really encourage you to uh, just open your heart and open your mind as you listen, because her story and the way she presents it and the specific techniques that she used throughout her life to stay on track and stay motivated and pursue her dream. These are all things that all of us can be doing to help us pursue our dreams. So I hope you enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed being part of it. And I am so thrilled to share it with you. So let's turn it over. We'll go on to that episode. Let's begin it right now. Hey. Hello. How are you? So nice to see you. So great to see you. Um, I, I just, I can't even tell you how thrilled I am to have you on the podcast. I think I'm honored. I can't believe I didn't think of this before. Oh uh, my goodness. It's, it's the perfect like, time now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I actually was thinking, um, how long has it been? That, Many years. Yeah. And I have to tell you, um, you know, we're going to just kind of dive right in here. I've, I've played with various formats where I have a chit chat with someone and then I kind of cut that all out and then start the interview. But I really like it to just be free flowing and organic. Sure. So 
we'll just kind of use all of this. Perfect. Um, so I'll share with you. I had this vision of you because I was thinking of how long has it been since I've seen you in person. Mm -hmm. And I ha it's so weird how memory works, right? Especially mm -hmm. as we get older and kind of think about <laughs> that kind of thing. And I have this really vivid memory of the Brookline Baptiste Yoga Studio. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I want to say that I was teaching and you were in class, mm -hmm. although it could be that I was practicing near you. But right. I don't think it was that because I have this vision of seeing you head on, like, mm -hmm. like I was here and you were there. Mm -hmm. And I have this really vivid memory of you just going through your practice and, you know, just my feeling of like, oh, I, I know this person versus like maybe other people in the class at the time. Right, right. And, um, and so I just wanted to share that with you. Now I have no, I mean, it's probably been, oh God, I want to say seven or eight years since I taught at that studio. Mm -hmm. um, so it's probably been at least that long. I think it's been maybe closer to 10 years, I want to say, you know, because yeah. um, I left for Grenada to start medical school in 2013. That's right. So, yeah, but, um, but I was living in, in um, Baltimore for four, uh, four years, five years. Yeah. And, you know, I remember talking to you that day about Baltimore, and I can't remember if you were in Boston for a visit or if you had just left and moved back mm -hmm. was there a phase where you left um no I, yeah I left oh. Boston I didn't move back unfortunately I've always missed Boston since <laughs> yeah so maybe you were just visiting well whatever it is it's it's a long time and you look exactly the same oh thank you so much <laughs> I, I love you you do too thank you I so mean, much yeah really like thank you and I you. I see I mean your um engagement on Facebook with all these people, not only does it keep me to date about what's happening with you, but it's, it's remarkable. The number of people that you have a connection with Thank are these so people much. from kind of all different aspects of your life. Yes. And, um, a lot of registered dietitians, because I, I was, it was, and still am a registered dietitian and just renewed my five-year uh, registered dietitian uh, registration period. Um, so there are dietitians and I've worked in different hospitals, uh, Tufts, um, Mass General Hospital, um, Hopkins, um, University of Maryland. And before that, a dietitian, um, when I worked in uh, dialysis and kidney, uh, kidney disease, and, um, and then also um, former patients, which is always like, you know, uh, but former patients from many hospitals, um, from many different places I've worked, wanted to stay connected with me. And sometimes they leave me the most endearing private messages. Like you were always new, like you always were rooting for me. You believed in me and, and we, and you helped us so much. And we, I can't believe you're going to be your doctor now. You're going to help them too, because you helped us so much as a dietitian and you just, you, you saw me for who I was, you never made me feel this or that, and you always right. empowered me. So that brings tears to my eyes. And then also surgeons, even um, weight loss bariatric surgeons I've worked with. And sometimes like um, one of the um, people, uh, she's a, a physician, works with uh, obesity, who shared my uh, article. Um, she's actually a bariatric or weight, uh, obesity medicine physician um, in Latin America. And she shared my, and she said, She's look at this, look how strong she is. So very nice, right. you know. It's so great. It's funny for me from the perspective of, you know, where I have a whole online component of my 
yoga business, mm-hmm. you know, we're always looking for, I'm always looking for ways to engage people in conversation and mm-hmm. feedback and that kind of thing. And all of that activity is happening on your own personal right. page. So it's, it's really wonderful. And it's a testament to just the energy that you exude, you know, even through the virtual, in the virtual Thank space. You. So that's Thank you great. so much. I have high school friends on there too, sorority sisters. So it's, uh, it's very humbling. It's, um, it's, that's it's been great. wonderful. Yeah. So, you know, when I saw, and just for the listeners, um, when you mentioned the article, so, so we're going to kind of get into kind of your story and that's, mm-hmm. you know, I think reading that article in the Providence journal, right. Yes about your recent acceptance to a residency program Mm -hmm. at um, uh, Roger Williams Medical Center. Roger Williams, right. (laughs) I wrote it down. Um, Was the catalyst, it seemed, for Mm -hmm. kind of sharing your story. And when I read that, you know, again, I'd been following your journey from being in medical school and all of what that in required of you. Mm -hmm. And I want you to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I saw that article, I said, oh, this is a person who embodies so much of, you know, I want to even say like from the mindset perspective, what I want to share on my podcast, because, you know, with my podcast being primarily for yoga teachers, and because Mm -hmm. my specialty is teaching in anatomy, which I know is near and dear to your heart as well. um, There is a very kind of, I don't want to say dry and scientific, but there, there, there are definitely episodes where I get into the anatomy of the hip or Mm -hmm. this, that, or the other anatomy concepts. However, what I've found for teachers is that so many times, and especially for teachers right now, who are over the age of 35, let's say, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. many of whom enroll in my own program to learn anatomy, Mm -hmm. they tell me when I have coaching sessions with them uh, and they all kind of have this similar theme where they bring up concerns about, am I too old to teach? Am I going to be able to build kind of a community of folks, not even really a following, but a community of people who would want to come to my classes. Mm -hmm. They have fear around taking that step to put themselves out there. I think given how COVID's affecting the yoga the yoga industry and so many studios closing forever or not being open with as many classes. Teachers are being looked to now more than ever if they wanna take it on to generate their own opportunities to teach at a brewery or you know, uh, an outdoor space, a, a park, whatever it is. And that takes a certain amount of self-motivation that if you have a lot of fear around mm-hmm. putting yourself out there, mm-hmm. um, you can just kind of throw up your hands and say, forget it. And so when I was emailing with you, that was kind of one of the things I want to kind of dive into a little bit. And it may not even be things that you're consciously aware of that you're doing, Mm -hmm. but I'm hoping that we can kind of touch on some of that today. Cause I think those themes are, it doesn't matter if you're going to take on medical school or put yourself out there to, to make a connection, to build a, a yoga class, situation or opportunity in a particular setting that doesn't have one or whatever the challenges you're trying to face, it takes a number of different things from mindset to creating new habits to taking risks. So these are all the things I thought would be um, 
definitely fodder for our conversation today. Absolutely. So having said that, just to kind of give it a little kind of frame of reference, mm -hmm. I would love for you to just kind of start with even before the medical school idea came to you, you already had an established career. And, mm -hmm. and because you're in the healthcare space, it makes talking to you on my podcast extremely relevant because <laughs> yoga teachers aren't in the healthcare space per se. However, they deal with health and wellness. So I think your area of expertise, even prior to your latest focus is of interest. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, thank you so much. Again, I'm so honored to be here. And um, yoga is very dear to my heart. And one of my favorite, you're one of my favorite yoga teachers. I don't know if you know that um, from my Baptiste days in Boston. I remember your classes so vividly at the Boston studio. So, and uh, you've always been one of my favorites, your energy. Aww. And I love that you're, you're younger than I am. I'm, but I, I love no, that you're mature. We are the same age. Oh, it's really? Well, see, age is just a number anyway, but I love that you're mature. Uh, and I want to say, I know it sounds cliche, but but age really is just a number. I mean, there are some things that, you know, you can't avoid about getting a little bit older, you know, it's normal, but, but I think the mindset is, is so important. But yoga uh, really helped me to actually come to the point where I felt ready to make the changes for medicine. Um, I, I don't know if I told you, but I actually spent a month in Baja, Mexico, doing a yoga teacher training for Iyengar uh, back in 2005. Uh, I was living in Baltimore and I really wanted to take the final step to apply to medical school, but I had the hesitancy. Um, and I did, I actually immersed myself in a tent in Baja, Mexico for a month and did a lot of meditation. And every single day said, I'm the more spiritual than religious, but every single day I said, please, uh, God, please help me to affect people, make a big change and affect as many people as I can. And I was right. thinking the whole time about medical school. I came back after one month in a tent practicing several hours a day. Um, and many people call me Margarita because that's my real name. There was another Margaret. And they thought, wow, she's so mature. And But yoga has helped me to center myself when even back in my Cambridge days, I was working out two hours a day at the gym and I couldn't catch my breath because I thought, why I'm 35, how come I don't have a husband yet? I think it was society's expectations. I don't have children. I should be married with children. What's wrong with me? Right. Um, and yoga, I went to a nurse practitioner and she told, she real, she told me, you have anxiety, go to yoga. And that's how I got. So I cannot thank you and all of the other fantastic yoga teachers. In my, in my mind, in my estimation, you are in the healthcare field. And yeah. God willing, one day I will have yoga teachers prominent within the healthcare model. Number yeah. one, I really, really yeah. feel because that yoga has helped me more than just about anything, any medication or anything. I didn't go that route for anxiety yoga, but for some people it's the right thing and it, or it could be both. But for me, yoga has helped to center me. And after coming back from that month in, in Baja, Mexico, I thought I'm going to apply to medicine now. And I was, then I came back and two days later, someone called me and asked if I wanted to write a book. So then I ended up writing these books with weight loss surgery. And, um, but I incorporated actually in one of my books, uh, quite a bit of yoga and meditation, because I feel that's a very important holistic approach. Uh, but it took actually years. It took me a few years of applying to U.S. medical schools and that didn't quite happen. And maybe the the board exams were not so age friendly, you know. Um, and then um, a very dear friend, a physician friend of mine, um, Dr. Robert Krausman said, apply to, you know, the Caribbean. So I ended so you up- you were already a, a dietitian. Re registered dietitian at the master's level. So, okay. um, and I had been, you know, uh, I felt, you know, I, uh, I had some nice, wonderful hospital affiliations. Uh, I have uh, 12 years in obesity medicine. So weight loss surgery, medical surgical weight loss, uh, was the most recent thing I did for 12 years. So Tops Medical Center, um, 
Mass General Hospital and then uh, Johns Hopkins. So some fantastic places, University of Maryland. I wrote some books um, uh, related to weight loss surgery and recipes and nutrition. And um, I have one that uh, Complete Idiot's Guide to Weight Loss Surgery, uh, Eating Well Weight Loss Surgery, not to tell the books, but it, it does include, that's the one that includes the yoga. Um, so I was, um, had success, but I literally would look at medical students even after writing these books. And then I um, I speak Portuguese and Spanish and I, I'm not um, an introvert, I guess. So at one of the weight loss surgery meetings, there's, uh, I lived in Brazil for a year too. So I'm fluent in Portuguese and my, that's my native language, Portuguese, although Brazil is a little di different dialect. So I approached this, this surgeon um, because he had wonderful energy and he said he was from Brazil. So I started speaking to him in Portuguese. He said, come in, oh, um, do you speak on vitamins and minerals? Come, I'm doing conferences in Brazil. So I ended up speaking at these international meetings as the only dietitian, the only non-surgeon with these rock star bariatric surgeons. And that's how I've gotten to know quite a few of them. And so everything told me I should be happy with that because I have these books. Right. I was making a nice salary. Um, I have, you know, I, I was seen as kind of a guru in, in effect in terms of vitamins and minerals and weight loss surgery. Um, but I kept on thinking, I want to do more. I want to, I'd love to have my own center. I'd love to do research with, mm. with uh, nutrition and obesity. I'd love to have a whole holistic center, uh, including yoga, including acupuncture, which I did for 12 years, um, uh, meditation and meditation center. And even in my practice um, at Johns Hopkins and some of the other hospitals, I actually taught yoga to my patients. That's why actually I, I spent the month in the, in the tent in Baja, Mexico, because I wanted to teach yoga to my patients at the time. It was called New England Medical Center and now it's Tufts. I right. wanted to teach them yoga, especially people of size. If they're doing yoga incorrectly, you can have some, you can do some serious damage. If you're repetitively doing something that it's not in, in alignment, of course, you're the anatomy master. So, um, but, I, but uh, I still felt there was something missing. Yeah. And then my, my dear friend, Dr. Krasman said, I was thinking my PhD in nutrition. That's why I went to University of Maryland from Hopkins because they were going to pay for my PhD in nutrition. I thought I'll be a doctor and I can teach nutrition to medical students. And my friend said, you keep on talking about medical school and medical students. I, I think you, well, you have too much fire in your belly. You really want medicine. So right. apply to the Caribbean. So I got the, the day that I was accepted to St. George's University it's in Grenada. It's like seen as the Harvard of the Caribbean. Yeah. You will. Um, I just cried. I couldn't stop crying. So um, it was not easy to say the least. And uh, someone had asked me in a private message, why did it take you so, so long to finish medical school? I had I won't go into all the details, but uh, my house burned down at one point um, in Baltimore. So I, I was in Antigua at the time. There was um, uh, something that happened in Grenada that it was an attack on me and some friends walking. Someone tried to attack us with a hammer. Um, so I had seven stitches to my head. So I was fine. It was just a concussion. But um, I went to a safer island with all the respect to Grenada. And Antigua um, allowed, took my credit. So I transferred to Antigua. And then... Um, then uh, I went to New York and did my clinical rotation. So things have taken a bit longer. Um, but honestly, Karen, I wouldn't trade anything for the world because the day that I saw my diploma and of course the day that I realized that I had matched into my dream residency, internal medicine in my home state at academic hospital, I've always loved uh, Roger Williams, always where I always want to take my family there and I've gone there. I just thought, this is a dream come true. So God willing, I would be a, 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 do an excellent job as a resident. And after that in internal medicine, but this is the culmination of my dream. And they always say, what you really regret is what you don't go for. And I can't right. tell you how many days I thought, okay, I'm not going to do this medicine thing. It's kind of hard. I'll just, I'll, I'll go back to being a dietitian, which is wonderful and very respectable, right. but I just felt that I just really wanted to do it. And, and I just, I just every day kept on dreaming about it. And again, mm -hmm. I'm more spiritual than religious, but I just, 
and people have told me, you know, Margaret, if God puts, if you have something that you just does not want to let go, this dream, maybe God put this dream in, in your in your heart, and maybe for a reason because you're supposed to do that. Right. So I, I I feel like this is what I've always wanted, and for different reasons, maybe this is the perfect timing. Even uh, uh, thinking about nutrition in my mind, perhaps in a parallel form, because there's not much nutrition in medical school. With all due respect to medical oh. schools. And um, in, in, in Western medicine, perhaps there's not a big emphasis, but there are so many leading causes of death even that can be impacted right. with nutrition. Right. So God, God willing, I will make a big impact in all of my years and nutrition will be a benefit, hopefully to my patients in the community. Right. It, it kind of feels like as you tell your story, and I know it's really just the highlights because there's <laughs> a lot more detail there. It does feel like, you know, I always kind of think about when I coach yoga teachers and they talk about what they did maybe for a corporate job before they got into teaching yoga, or maybe they're still doing that and teaching. And I always talk about how nothing is ever wasted. And I think mm -hmm. about that with respect to, to your story is that it's not like nutrition is in a box over there. And just like you said, there's a lot of, of, um, of good reason to, as a physician, be able to speak to nutrition at a detail level. However, it's, integrated in the curriculum that med students go through and nor do they give them time to study it. Um, I've heard of, uh, I think a program at Stanford where they take a cooking class or something along those yes. lines. Yes, that's fantastic. And, um, and I know um, people might say, oh, well, you went to a Caribbean school, maybe in some, U some U.S. medical schools, they have more nutrition. Uh, but just from the two schools I was at, there wasn't, you know, with all due respect, there was more biochemistry. And then in the nine and a half hour, hour board exam that I took that encompassed the clinical rotations of medical school, 320 questions, there were about five questions on nutrition. And wow. for whatever reason, that's the way it was. Um, but even when I was at Johns Hopkins for five years as a dietitian, I was part of their nutrition education for Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, which is a big honor, but they got four hours, Karen, four hours of nutrition wow. is what Johns Hopkins- Really unbelievable has. when you think about the body as a system and especially now everything about the gut microbiome and oh that's that, totally one of my areas of passion i want to do research I, have, <laughs> yeah, you, um, have you read fiber fueled by will buskowitz no i would love to okay read that. so when you go on instagram he's the gut md okay and he's got a really um science-based and and very accessible information wise Okay. uh, Instagram, the gut MD and his, uh, his name is Dr. Will Buskowitz. Uh, I want to say he's in North Carolina. Um, and he has a book that he put out last year called fiber fueled. I ran into him, uh, not in person, uh, his, his information because he was interviewed on another podcast. I really like, uh, the rich Roll podcast and rich mm -hmm. Roll uh, is a triathlete, former attorney, uh, and he has a ton of science-based uh, people on his podcast and Dr. Buskowitz was on. Mm -hmm. And I bought the book right away, learned all about from him, this mm -hmm. gut microbiome and all about nutrition having an impact. Never knew things like sourdough bread had to do with fermented foods. I never knew yes. that or sauerkraut and how important that mm -hmm. is to developing good bacteria. So it's just, amazing when you hear stuff like that. And then to hear what you're saying that there's very little 
time spent on what you're putting in your body when you're a physician. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Even within nutrition, I know just uh, within the weight loss surgery uh, conferences I went to, I was kind of ridiculed at first. I think it was probably about 10 years ago. I just took a, uh, started getting very passionate about the gut microbiome, which is just the neighborhoods, uh, neighborhoods of bacteria. And we are more bacteria than human cells, which is right. Um, and then people don't, uh, so anyway, I started doing talks on how, um, and what I want to do research too, one of the things is how, um, how um, our body, our colon or large intestine is where most of the bacteria reside and how actually the colon or large intestine digest fiber can affect many things, uh, including irritable bowel syndrome, but even possibly obesity in mm -hmm. terms of how, how the, the short chain fatty acids and the, the bacteria yeah. on them. And then um, prebiotics, which are, you know, I don't wanna go too much about nutrition today, but prebiotics is what you, what you eat, including bananas, leeks, onions, that actually is food for the good bacteria. And then the Western diet, there really is no good food for those bacteria. Um, and then the people take the probiotics, but you can take all the probiotics you want, but if you don't have like the fertilizer, meaning the good, healthy diet, you're probably not going to absorb those very well. Uh, and yeah. that's something that perhaps is not out there too much. Yes. And that it's just, it, it's interesting because it doesn't seem like, I mean, I think short of advertisements for yogurt and mm -hmm. sometimes they mention probiotic mm -hmm uh capabilities or or characteristics there's not a lot of information it's it's kind of you have to look for it so Absolutely. it's so important so so tell me um a little bit about you know your it sounds like this definitely was a dream of yours to go to medical school and you talk about it going way back to 2000 mm -hmm. when you were in mexico which you said was 2005 Five, yes so even before know, that friends of mine from grad school even when i was 25 yeah. and, uh, in grad school in miami uh, at florida international university one of my dear friends she's a phd um dietitian brilliant uh dr nancy collins i remember uh, we were talking and people were talking you know that the hypothetical, what would you do if you won the lottery? And when I was 25, she remembers my saying, I would find a way to go to medical school because I really want to be. And when I graduated with my master's degree and I found my, my parent, everyone was crying. The sole thought in my mind, which I never told anyone was maybe I can get into medical school now because I did very well. I had great GPA. Wow. Maybe I can get into medical school now. That was the number one thing I was when I was walking down the aisle, accepting my master's degree was maybe I can get to medical school. And I was 25 at the time. Wow. So but I think, you know, I, I take responsibility for my decisions, but maybe it's cultural. It is an article uh, in my culture. I'm Portuguese. I was born in Portugal in the Azores. I was three and I, and I came over and I think it was kind of like. A little, maybe cultural of you know women you get married have children you know nutrition, nutrition is something that you can do more with the family which turns out you don't have children it is what it is um and then medicine is a much harder lifestyle it's harsh right. it's more likely that men would be, do it so again right. i take responsibility and i love nutrition and i wouldn't take back anything i've done and all the experiences and knowledge but i think that inherently is what part of the reason perhaps why i waited longer as well yeah so you're thinking maybe subconsciously on some level you were kind of bought into those mindset and thoughts absolutely and you that, kind of just got wrapped up in what you're doing and like you said you were doing well so there wasn't anything real reason wise to not be like telling yourself this is fine this is fine this is exactly exactly yeah but it sounds like the dream was was too strong and and very strong just testament to when you have that initial vision you can kind of ignore it and have that regret or mm -hmm. you can pursue it even with the obstacles and some of them that you talked about i didn't know about changing from one place to another because of the attack and all of that mm -hmm. so that's unbelievable but you stuck with it 
Right. And, and every time, and again, I'm much more spiritual than religious, but I do pray every day. And I was raised Catholic, so I did tend to pray in that that mode. Um, and I remember even working in, in Baltimore, I was telling myself, okay, you're going to get the PhD. They're going to pay for the PhD. This, I'll be a doctor, uh, which is fantastic. I know some PhD dietitians were amazing. They're rock stars, brilliant. Uh, and other PhDs, fantastic. Um, but I remember I was working in a clinic in, in, uh, in Baltimore. I said, God, why do I feel so sad? If I'm not supposed to do, please give me a sign. If I'm supposed to do the MD, please give me a sign. And I know this sounds strange, but um, in the roster in the clinic in Baltimore, where I worked uh, one day a week, um, that has all the clinicians and it has all the MDs and then it has the RDs, registered dietitians. So, um, so our names would be RD. And I never looked in there to see my name and I'd been working there for a year. So for some reason, Karen, I, when I was leaving, I was thinking, God, please tell me what I'm supposed to do. I don't want to be an ego thing if I'm not supposed to be an MD. And I looked down and in the roster, no one knows how or why it happened. It said Margaret Furtado, MD. It didn't say RD and no one knows why that was that way because every other dietitian said RD. And I thought, God, are you trying to tell me something? So um, I just had constant, and even in medical school, I thought, am I supposed to do this? It's so hard, please God. And uh, give me a sign I'm supposed to continue doing this because it's so difficult. It was like trying to drink from a fire hose at first, all the knowledge yeah. and the exams. And so invariably someone would always come up to me within minutes, either an instructor say, you're wonderful. We're so glad you're here and your age is such a positive thing or another student. Yeah. Every single time I always got the answer. You're supposed to keep on doing this. Yeah. And I just and kept I, on going one day and one foot after yeah. the other, you know, one step. Yeah. And I'd love to explore that a little more because, you know, one of the other things that I come across, especially um, not all the time, but sometimes with teachers who enroll in my program, they're really excited when they start. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't even want to try to compare it to what you've done. You know, I think though, there's that theory of relativity. So whatever you're taking on, whether it's weight loss, or you've just signed up for an online learning program on anatomy or whatever mm -hmm. it is, mm -hmm. the trajectory can sometimes be similar. It's just that the intensity of it will kind of be different depending on what you're taking on. Um, the thing though, that's interesting to me about what you just said is this idea of, you know, you were in it and it was really hard. And you know, you were kind of tapping into your colleagues and your spiritual guidance principles mm -hmm. to kind of support you rather than throwing up your hands and quitting. And I've had, you know, some teachers who enroll in my program and they are super excited at the beginning. And then after a couple of weeks, life gets in the way, mm -hmm. they kind of lose momentum, sticking with doing the course part the first coaching call comes up that we scheduled on the day they enrolled and they reschedule that. And so I'm always kind of just trying to impress upon them. It's not necessarily about getting it all right. It's really more about showing up because in the showing up, you know, it kind of reminds me of when Rolf Gates used to talk about mm -hmm. momentum, building yes. momentum and how powerful that is. Mm -hmm. Even if along the way, the fire hose is giving you so much info, there's no way you're retaining it all but you right. keep showing up in the morning, you keep doing the work and eventually things start to sync up. So can you talk a little bit about how you, maybe a little more about how, cause there must've been so many times where mm -hmm. you were just kind of like, why am I doing this? I can just go back to the life I had. How did many you times. keep with it? Um, I'm, I'm very visual person and um, what, um, when I, my first semester, even in, uh, in Grenada, my mom, I turned 50 that first semester of medical school, my mom sent me a little kit, you know, those stickers, and it was a doctor's kit. 
and it had a dye. I still get the chills. I carry it with me everywhere I go. It's still in my purse. Um, and so I'm a very visual person. So I tried to really visualize um, what I, um, Nina Murphy um, is fantastic. She works at the Rogers, Roger Williams Library in Bristol. Saint, and then isn't that funny, the Roger Williams Medical Center? But that's where I studied for my two huge board exams. Step one is to get into clinical exams. And then the step two clinical knowledge is all of medical school, the nine and a half hour exam. So I have a vision board um, and uh, I just created a new vision board recently. But my vision board actually had someone who maybe looked a little like, uh, like me maybe younger and whatever and I actually she was wearing a lab coat and I actually put on there M Furtado MD and every day at the library I put my vision board and I do some meditating and I look at that several times I can't tell you every single day and I still look at my new vision board too uh, with other things I like to do and I that vision board is something I would look at every single day and my sister Maria she's amazing Maria Grace Furtado she um, told me several times especially toward the end and when like oh it's like a it's a marathon not a race so toward the end where there are delays and in the pandemic, she said, Margaret, just keep on writing your uh, Margaret Furtado MD. So even when it came close to that nine and a half hour exam, I can't tell you, Karen, how many times I'd go by the water by the library in Bristol and write Margaret Furtado MD. And I'd write my bio. I'd write my bio, Dr. Furtado. And like it already had happened. Um, and even like on the way, as I was being dropped off to take that nine and a half hour exam, I was writing Margaret Furtado MD, Margaret Furtado MD. Like it was already a given. It was already a done deal. You, I'm getting chills as you're telling this story and I'm actually feel like I'm going to cry because what's really interesting to me, not even in an intellectual way, but on another level is um, right now I'm re-upping my certification. I have a certified personal trainer certification and corrective exercise specialist in conjunction, in conjunction with the yoga background. And to re-up that certification, I had to register for another program. And I am taking a behavior, right now I'm doing their behavioral change program, which is all about different models of mm -hmm. habit building, uh, change, um, uh, making change in your life from mm -hmm. many different, not really the psychological approach, but more the cognitive brain approach. Mm -hmm. And I literally, before this call with you, just finished the module where they were talking about the brain changes that happen during visualization and that it's very difficult and there's different models and theories to explain the why, but the overall concept being just what you're saying that the brain has a difficult time deciphering between what is real and what is imagined. And so mm -hmm. the imagination of you doing it is, from the brain's perspective, just as good mm -hmm. for the most part as if you'd done it. It's kind of like Absolutely. if I imagine myself losing weight, if I imagine myself going for a run, athletes do it, right? All mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. um, but to think of it in the context. And so I just finished that whole thing. And now you're just talking about it. It's such a synergistic conversation to have with respect to what I just read. So I'm kind of like, this is a sign too. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Words matter, both negative and positive. So whenever even I hear um, friends say something, I won't even repeat say anything negative because when you say things, I don't leave that in the energy, but, um, but what you say really matters. So mm -hmm. even when I was getting cl close to not like waiting for match day, I'm thinking all positive thoughts and I'm even talking to a couple of my close friends I'm like I'm so so happy that I matched they're like well you don't know yet I'm like in my mind thank you God thank you God for matching thank you for this wonderful opportunity thank you and so when I saw the man I had matched it was like but but a, a deep part yeah. of me was already had seen it already almost um right. just that positive reinforcement and 
I try to be what they call relentlessly positive. I watch positive um, uh, YouTube videos if I, um, every day if I can. Um, so I try to always look at the positives. Even like a few times, uh, more than once, I was in, in uh, the library studying for a big exam on my birthday. And my parents were like, uh, like in Antigua, at least once um, there was a big exam the, the day uh, um, after my birthday. So on my birthday, I was studying at the library till midnight. They were like, you're studying at the library. I'm like, I get to be a medical student. I get to study. I, this is like the biggest birthday present ever that I'm a medical student, you know? So changing your perspective yeah. is really, really important. I want to speak to the age thing because you're one of my favorite yoga teachers. Alyssa Sullivan, I took her yoga class um, this morning in Barrington, Rhode Island. Oh. Um, and then Marianne Ellen Fowler is also at Synergy. She's older. Um, and among my favorite yoga teachers, I think the experience, the, the lived experience. Um, and I, I briefly... I worked with Anna Dunwell as a, a yoga assistant for yoga and back pain study at Boston uh, University yeah. medically many years ago. And I was humbled to be her assistant. And I can't tell you, some of the people said they really loved what they loved best about me is that I wasn't in my 20s. And it's fantastic for the yoga teachers out there, teens, 20s, 30s, fantastic, 40s. Um, but what I found also as a medical student and God willing, as a physician, that they really liked my lived experience. Yeah. They yeah. really liked my lived experience and they felt that, that I could... Um, you know, be a teacher, perhaps, uh, or, or really kind of speak to their experience, and that that perhaps I had a little bit more to give because yeah. of that lived experience. Yeah, yeah. What about with your colleagues, the other medical students? Um, was there an age gap for you? Did oh, absolutely. They were all mostly in their 20s. There was one who was a bit older. Uh, and when I arrived in Grenada, it was a beautiful. Um, she's now um, in Connecticut doing, um, uh, now she's in psychiatry and she was a PhD psychologist. Um, amazing, beautiful, intelligent. Uh, but she, in Grenada, she approached me. She said, um, I'm 37. I think you're older than I am, right? Because everyone here is so young. And I was just, yeah, I'm older. I'm 50 at the time when I first semester. Uh, but even like in the clinical rotations, Karen, I was the only one, you know, in that age group, I'll say in my 50s, now I'm 57, but I was 56 when I finished medical school. Um, all of my colleagues were, the average was in the, in the mid 20s. Uh, the oldest one I knew, um, she was in her early 40s. Um, and so many of them came to me almost like a mom, you know, and ironically, I chose to do a three month, like, like really difficult boot camp type surgery rotation, which was 5am to 8pm and 11 overnights that I never slept. I stayed up and did all my notes and help the residents. Um, and so many of them asked, oh, Margaret, can you fill in? I'm too tired, I can't do this other surgery. And I would, have, you know, thank God I had the stamina. I would take their extra surgeries if they needed help or whatever. So a lot of times they came to me almost like a mom. A few of them, especially, you know, the women asked me about dating advice and I would always try to instill in them to really love themselves and not settle and not sell themselves short and not try to um, bring themselves down to try to make any man, you know, there are a lot of great guys out there, whatever, but some of them were dating men that didn't, were somehow intimidated by their intelligence, which I've right. had happen, whatever different reasons. So I just, I almost was, I have a very maternal type of presence. Yeah. I like to say, um, yeah. and that I think they, hopefully they found that helpful because they'd come to me because of my experience and what should I do? This guy is acting like a jerk. What should I say? I'm like, move on, move on. Right. And, you know, Right, right. Just, you know, find someone who really gets you and really cherishes you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, anyway, it seems like there there are just so many beautiful offshoots to the fact that you were there when you were. Mm -hmm. Many of which didn't really have anything to do with medical school, but allowed you to share who you are and really impact the lives of your colleagues. Um, what about your patients that you saw? How did I, that I can't tell you yet how many patients like that I was older and um, 
some of my younger colleagues um, perhaps didn't like chatting with them as much and kind of like wanted to get the diagnosis. That's fine. You know, some of them are, are I'm sure are doing very well and are great physicians. But I, as in addition to doing the physical exam and all that, I really wanted to get the connection and get the full history and really chat a bit more if I could. Mm -hmm. uh, and thankfully, there are many opportunities for that. So, uh, and I think many of them, um, and I've had some, like I remember one, my last rotation in medical school, um, it was in the emergency room um, in Brooklyn. Uh, Kingsbrook um, Jewish Memorial um, and we were doing overnights night shifts and it was during the night shift and there was someone who was in pain and I was constantly going back because I had time uh, to chat with her and she I speak Spanish too so I was speaking her in Spanish and she told me in English and Spanish that I was an angel and that God brought me to be a, that I was going to be a doctor because I was an angel because I really connected with people and I really saw them through and I was a blessing to them and that the angel she could you know she knew that angels brought me to being a medical student and then so that to me I've had such wonderful feedback like that yeah that it just kind of reinforces maybe I'm on the right track I'm on the right yeah. path I'm supposed to do medicine you know yeah and but many and then many times I incorporated nutrition even in my um, family medicine and Yonkers uh, I can't tell you how many of the patients wanted to hear about nutrition and then the family medicine doc was fantastic it's like we have time, go ahead, talk to them about nutrition. And so many of them liked that I had that experience too. So that's part of that lived experience that I had to share with the patients. Right, um, right. So I've had wonderful feedback from patients, thankfully. That's, that's amazing. So can you share a little bit about, you know, kind of, and especially for people who maybe aren't familiar with the path of the, the physician, I want to kind of get a sense of you did medical school, you, you complete medical school. So that's several years of mm -hmm. kind of, I don't want to say traditional school because it's medical school, but it's a medical school academic program. Mm -hmm. And now you're doing a residency. So how long is that? Well, the, the medical school typically, mine was a bit longer, but the typical, if everything goes well, it's two years of basic sciences of medical school. So it's anatomy, pathology, um, biochemistry, immunology, uh, infectious disease. And then uh, clinical rotations are typically two years. So mm -hmm. it's about four years, you know, for most people, four to five years. Right. Then residency, um, the shortest residencies are three years. So family medicine is three years. Internal medicine is three years. Mm -hmm. uh, pediatrics is three years. And then there's like OBGYN, uh, obstetrics, gynecology, that's four years. Psychiatry is four years. General mm -hmm. surgery is five years. Okay. Um, so after three years of internal medicine, if I don't pursue a fellowship or don't, um, then I can be an internal medicine doctor or internist after a three-year residency. Uh, right. But internal medicine is kind of the foundation for cardio cardiology. For like, if you want to be a lung doctor, pulmonology. Um, if you want to do, um, you know, uh, gastroenterology or GI. Um, if you want to do oncology, hematology. Um, so they're all different offshoots from the three-year internal medicine residency, but it is with dealing with adults versus family medicine, you have children, adults. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you'll do three years of the residency uh, in family medicine and then- Internal medicine. Internal, internal medicine. medicine. Mm -hmm. And then you talked a little bit about kind of your vision. And it seems like between the vision board and speaking to spirit and meditating and yoga, you know, your, your channels are open and, and <laughs> it seems like you're really clear on kind of where you want to go. So mm -hmm. tell us a little more about that. 
like kind so, of what you see. Sure, I would. Sure, I would love to um, to incorporate as a, an internal medicine doctor. I would love to incorporate a holistic approach. So, including nutrition. Um, I'd ideally love to be in a center, an academic center. Maybe so hopefully staying in Rhode Island. Hopefully staying. I don't know where I where I do a residency would be fantastic too. It'd be an honor um, to have some kind of research too in terms of the gut microbiota. Can we do some research on that? Because um, what happens with nutrition in the diet? It's called epigenetics. Can affect three and even four generations, including obesity, including diabetes. So I'd love to have a clinic too and see outpatient clinics, outpatients in the clinics. Um, and I'd love to lose my, use my languages for that, the Spanish, Portuguese, a little French. Um, so I'd like to love to have a practice, a part of my practice, maybe a third uh, where I'm seeing patients in clinics, outpatients, mm -hmm. I love seeing patients, but maybe within that we can generate some even community research to see because if you can impact someone's nutrition, you could literally affect the nutrition in the whole family and all the other, and maybe three generations have better nutrition um, and really make an impact on the whole community. Right. Um, and I love to do teaching too. So maybe uh, 10, 15%, I could be teaching um, mm -hmm. as well as doing the research uh, mm -hmm. and maybe also working in the hospital as well. So I'd love to have um, just a, a, a little bit of, of everything, but I'd love to at one point have like my a, a holistic type center or be part of a holistic type center yeah. where you're looking at the nutrition, you're looking at um, psychology, you're looking at yoga, acupuncture, yeah. um, the whole, the whole person from uh, multiple perspectives. Awesome. That's, that's amazing. So, you know, especially where you talk about nutrition and, you know, just different aspects of how important it is for personal health, you know, what you're eating and, you know, I think I, I would love to just kind of get your take on, you know, I, I consider myself pretty knowledgeable, but at the same time, I find myself super confused mm -hmm. about kind of all these different aspects of what is health from the, just if you just look at nutrition, there's so many mm -hmm. different approaches. And because I'm a huge consumer of podcast content in mm -hmm. science-based podcasts, I'm getting daily doses of information, which, you know, I'm kind of at the point where I'm almost like on overload and feel like I kind of don't know what to do. And I'm mm -hmm. someone who stopped eating meat completely for eight years. And then two years ago, went back to eating some meat. Mm -hmm. I have massive guilt over it. So I try mm -hmm. not to eat meat at all. You know, I have a very, very light alcohol intake, just wine. Now I'm trying to completely stop drinking wine completely, but then you read things that wine's okay for you, antioxidants. So can you just kind of generally, maybe not just about nutrition, but just kind of generally speak to the listener out there who wants to take better care of their health and is looking for just some general guidelines for how to do that? I mean, especially where you're going into general medicine, right? right, right. Medicine, it is correct me if I'm wrong, kind of this overall approach to looking at the body holistically. Absolutely. So any thoughts on that? I hate to put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I think um, it's very important. What I did working with patients in the past is start with where, where you are, where they are. So, um, I, but I'd like to look at different uh, pieces of the puzzle. So a big piece is managing stress. And because that impacts how you're eating as well. How many of us eat on the go wrappers um, in general, if you can find, and I'm a big believer in mindful eating. So sometimes um, I, I would really um, say, let your, 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 um, the hunger, if it's real hunger, let that guide you too. But I would say if you can get into a habit of 
you know, home-based meals or not eating on the go, but being mindful when you're eating, because uh, they say even when you're eating and you're not mindful, you, your brain does not even recognize that you've eaten something. So it's not just about weight, it's about just really assimilating that nutrition. Of course, the more uh, close to nature, fresh fruits and vegetables, if you can have uh, fresh, it, uh, that's ideal. But if you can't have fresh, whatever reason, if you can have frozen vegetables. So if you can get a, a couple of uh, vegetables in a day, um, if you can get uh, one or two fruits in a day, if you like fruits hydration. I can't tell you how many people don't drink enough water. And two thirds of the time when we think we're hungry, we're actually thirsty. So I have three, uh, a three cup water bottle, you know, it's the uh, three eight ounce cups. And I try to drink three of those a day as well as a, de a little decaf coffee, other beverages. So I think hydration is so, so key. Mm -hmm. um, and stress management, a lot of people are not getting enough sleep and that can actually impact how we're eating. Um, if you're not getting like, say, the ideal is maybe seven, eight hours of sleep. And people say, why should I talk about sleep? We're talking about nutrition. If you're not getting adequate sleep, nine times out of 10, the hunger hormone ghrelin is going to be out of control. So you're going to be hungry all day long. Cortisol stress hormones is going to yeah. guide that head hunger. That's not real physiological hunger. So that can throw everything off. So um, getting enough sleep, watching stress, um, hydration, getting enough water, watching like maybe moderation with the alcohol, you know, uh, for women, ideally not more than one glass a day, men, not more than two glasses a day, but if you don't drink, don't start, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, trying to avoid, of course, things like smoking other things that we know are very harmful. But I think, you know, the more you can, um, studies have been, have been done looking at connection. If you eat a meal with someone you care about, um, there's actually some suggestion that you actually assimilate it better. I know this sounds strange. So having that connection, if you can, whenever um, eating a meal um, that's nutritious, ideally with someone that you really care about, um, mm -hmm. that can actually help you to, to really be, um, they looked at the Akhenaten, the ones who lived uh, over to be over hundred years old, connection was part of it, as well as eating close to nature. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, watching the, you know, the traditional Western diet of the saturated fat, maybe not having as much of that, but also portions. If you are going to have that, you know, usually, usually the palm of your hand or a deck of cards might be enough for you. Um, mm -hmm. If you want more than that, and you're really hungry, fine. But many times we go to a restaurant and we let whatever they serve us, not you, but other people might let whatever is being served to be what the serving size should be. And many times right. that's two and three times the healthy serving. Right. So I think mindful eating. Um, but I often would, would, I would say to my patients, picture the plate like a clock and maybe half of the clock fruits and vegetables and maybe a quarter of a clock be like meat, chicken, fish, uh, uh, soy. And I, I, and I share your guilt about the meat eating because I try not to eat as much meat. So I, I do share that. And then maybe a quarter of the plate be like a uh, rice or potato or you know, starch, something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, so that does that give an overall yeah, yeah, idea? Sure. And it, it kind of makes me think about too. And, and of course, I think about this more because I am over 50, all the things that you should be doing from a preventative um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. standpoint. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe not so much age related, although I think age is often the metric that kind of kicks off a lot of things, whether it's colonoscopies or whatever, but mm -hmm. are there some um, just general highlights of what people could be doing? Uh, you know, I think about like my dad's always on me to keep up with my car upkeep so that I don't have to spend mm -hmm. a lot of money because something mm -hmm. big is going to break. Mm -hmm. And we don't always think about our body that way. I think about the structure of the body a lot because mm -hmm. that is that. And I think about many times when I see yoga students who have structural problems with their body, it sometimes is because of years of neglect or right. years of doing the same thing over and over and over again mm -hmm. without doing something else, even just with respect to like 
tons of hip flexion, no hip extension, mm -hmm. just a really simple example. Right, right, right. So are there some things that like, if you had a personal checklist, like now I'm almost at the point where I feel like, should I be taking my blood pressure every day? Should I buy a loop? <gasps> like, I'm really right, kind right. Of sort of at the saturation level. Mm -hmm. So can you boil it down for us and for listeners, just kind of speaking to them as not yoga teachers, just people mm -hmm. who have an interest in health. Right. What are some things that we should be doing to stay healthy from a prevention standpoint? Great question. Um, so I, I, I think it's really important to find a healthcare provider that you really can gel with, that you really connect right. with. And it's yep. probably a good idea, especially as we're getting older, uh, to have at least maybe once a year to have a, a yearly physical and to get your cholesterol checked and the good and the bad cholesterol, that the HDL is the good cholesterol, uh, and to get your um, other like basic electrolytes and, and uh, the basic labs checked, um, your, your okay. hemoglobin to see what, uh, and also I can't say enough, vitamin D. So many people are not aware that their vitamin D is low and vitamin D, especially in the, you know, the winter months and especially living in the Northeast, uh, vitamin D is not only a fat soluble vitamin, but it's actually a hormone and it actually can affect your gut function as well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't even realize they have a low vitamin D level. Is that so they take your blood? Uh, yeah, well, you would need to uh, make sure and check with your doctor. Okay, but for, yeah, 25 OH vitamin D is the kind of vitamin D that's really the most reflective of your actual body stores of vitamin D. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they even think that MS might be related to a low vitamin D level and some other diseases. So, uh, and that's something in, in my estimation, perhaps is not looked at enough. Um, yeah. the vitamin D level. Uh, yeah. I take vitamin D regardless. Every day I take vitamin D as well as antioxidants. Um, and I take a probiotic every day. Um, if you are having some issues with your, you know, so seeing the doctor once, once a year and more often if, if he or she feels you need it, but I think that's a baseline for yeah. blood pressure. I mean, if you feel like many times, you know, people have high blood pressure and don't realize it, but if it's fine when you see your doctor and if you're I'm not feeling symptoms that just feel off to you, like severe, if you're having headaches or something, if something doesn't feel right, go get it checked out. It, it may be your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. um, it, some people though, if you're checking at home, your blood pressure at home, sometimes it can drive you crazy. I'm like, oh my God, it's, you know, um, but I think um, it's a good practice to try maybe in the beginning of the day and the end of the day to have like a little moment of meditation, if you can, to kind of help with all the stress, you know, in general in the world. Right. So I think that often might help too, um, perhaps with people's blood pressure where they're, uh, and even to, to like, I try half an hour before I go to bed to turn off electronics, turn off phones, not have any electronics in my bedroom. Um, and that sometimes can help you to kind of get in that mode for a sleeping mode. Mm -hmm. um, because actually even the lights from computers and everything um, can actually affect your melatonin and how you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. So I think as a, as a general a rule, I would say, if you can turn off all electronics an hour before bedtime, that might have, help you to have better sleep. And we know sleep is so important for overall health. Yeah. And there's certainly a lot of new information about the importance of sleep. It's kind of exploded. I think ever since Ariana Huffington, I think wrote a book mm -hmm, on sleep, mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. just, and I don't want to say her book was the catalyst to it, but it just seems like I remember that in my memory coming out and me thinking like Ariana Huffington book on sleep. <laughs> and, you know, since then there's been so many, um, books and, and people podcasts I've 
listen to about sleep and how important it is. It's more than just getting into bed and closing your eyes. Absolutely. And yeah. regular, regular physical activity. And I, I, I know I don't want to say that yoga is exercise per se, because to me it's sacred. Uh, but I tried at least a few days a week to get yoga in, um, as well as maybe a yoga practice on my own. Uh, but whatever you can do, um, actually there are studies uh, showing that if you do about um, 30 minutes of physical activity five days a week, it actually helps you have circulation, of course, to your brain and may help lower your risk of Alzheimer's disease, for example. Because yeah. people don't realize when you exercise, the blood flow is also helping your brain and your brain function or cognition. So we don't right. we necessarily think of it that way. Right, right. I think one of the important things you brought up is it sounds so basic. However, I don't know that a lot of people even have a primary care physician. Oftentimes mm -hmm, it's not mm -hmm. until you get sick. I've right. seen plenty of my friends post on Facebook. Does anybody have a name of somebody? And these are definitely people in their thirties and forties. And mm -hmm. it's great to kind of put the word out and try to get some personal referrals. It just does sometimes point to the fact that sometimes people don't have doctors and certainly there can be insurance reasons for that and access mm -hmm. to finances reasons for mm -hmm. that. So I'm not really speaking specifically as that as being the reason, but um, it does, you know, just kind of show a sense of personal responsibility towards your health that you have a regular physician Absolutely. Um, that you see. So, all right, well, I, I want to kind of see kind of how we can kind of bring this in, in closing a little bit to some of the themes we talked about at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I would love to kind of pose this question to you to give you an opportunity to really like speak to someone out there who's listening right now, who, you know, I think about this almost from the dynamic of not exactly like when you're speaking to a patient, mm -hmm. however, similar in that there's someone out there now listening who maybe wants to take something on in their life and they feel like they're somewhat on the fence, but they really know they want to do it. And they're just looking for that motivation. Mm -hmm. Is there something you could say to that person that could support them to moving forward? Yes. Um, so um, I actually um, worked with a life coach to, to help me to get the courage to, uh, back when I was uh, um, uh, in uh, Maryland, um, to get the, the courage to kind of make some decisions uh, in my life, in uh, various areas of my life. And actually, Martha Beck, one of her books really helped me quite a bit, Finding True North. Uh, Martha Beck, um, I found that book so helpful because the more I read it, I'm like, my true north, I feel is medicine. And uh, even people have remarked on my Facebook have said, yeah, I remember back in Baltimore and um, Susan Weiss Boleyn, who was an amazing Ayurveda practitioner, and I have her books and met with her individually to learn Ayurveda. She says, I remember even when we were meeting for Ayurveda, you said, I love medicine. I really am in love with medicine. Uh, but Martha Beck, the more I read her book, I read it at least twice, Finding True North. It really helped me to see what my true north was and also the vision board. Um, and I kept on visualizing my, my why, if you will, what do I wanna do and why do I want medicine? Mm -hmm. Why do I want it? Because there are plenty of fantastic physician assistants, fantastic nurse practitioners, amazing. Right. But for me, it's like, I wanna have um, my center. I wanna have, not in an egotistical way, my center, I want, I'd love to have a center so that I can perhaps affect more changes. Um, so, really think about what you want and why you want it and try to make it as concrete as possible and visualize it as much as possible and try if you can every single day to visualize it 
and uh, meditate on it. I, you know, that yoga for a whole month in Baja, Mexico, I came back sure that I was going to apply to medical school because every single day, that's what seemed to come to me meditation. Mm -hmm. But perhaps the other things kind of were a way to get there eventually. Um, but really think about why you want it. And, 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 and I also tried to picture my life without that. And then I felt sad. And when I pictured my life with that, I felt people even noticed, I felt elated. My energy was higher. Yeah. So try to tune in into that as well. But it's a decision only you can make. Uh, and, dream, and dream big. Don't be afraid to dream. I have other dreams. I'd love to be Surgeon General one day. Dear. Okay, I said it. I said totally. it. Because I'd, totally. I'd love to affect change and have more hospitals growing plants on their, on their the roofs, like in Boston, and have more like coupons for pharmacy with F-A-R-M, farm, like to have more fruits and vegetables and to affect major changes on a big level with nutrition in our country. So I said, my, it's one of my big dreams. So dream big and um, act like, like it's already happened um, and, right. and really think concrete and don't let age um, factor into that decision and think of all the positives of what you could bring and, and already as much as possible, visual, visualize yourself already having attained it and what you're doing while you're, I can't tell you how many times I already pictured myself in the long lab coat, right. talking to patients um, and just keep on thinking like it's already a done deal. Right. Awesome. Awesome. I think you should also be a motivational speaker. So can, you, <laughs> can you carve out a little bit of time in your busy schedule? I would love to, it. I would love to it. start a tour, a, a Margaret Furtado world tour, um, or at least the virtual. I'd be honored. Yes. Thank you for point. putting that out there. That's something yes. actually, I, when I wrote my bio, you know, sitting by the water, writing my bio as a physician, I actually wrote that I was also a motivational speaker. There you go. I mean, I could totally, <laughs> I could totally see it. And I think that you know, when I think about your life, I, I, if I think about it in, in kind of a vision, I see like almost like a quilt or a tapestry. There's so much richness to it and so much depth and Thank so you. many different areas. And yet they're all interrelated. And, um, it's, it's just really just a beautiful, beautiful vision. So, Thank well, it so was much. so, so great to talk to you. I feel oh. <laughs> like I got like this beautiful vibe of energy. Like, Thank you. Likewise. It's been such an honor and pleasure chatting with you, Karen. Of course, of course. So what will happen now is this whole thing will get buttoned up. I'm going to send you the link and then you can feel free to share it with, you know, your friends and family and, and I'll share it. Uh, it'll be out on iTunes and on Podbean and, you know, on my website and I will just, you know, share it uh, liberally so that people can uh, learn from you and, and just learn from these life lessons that you've just conquered in, in your life. And, you know, I'd love to have you back on for maybe the, you know, quarterly update. Or I would love it. I would love your update to kind of see and um, I could totally see that holistic center happening in Rhode Island. And you know, maybe I'll stop by and teach a yoga class there. I love it. I love it. I'd love to, to attend one of your classes. I love your yoga classes and your energy. And thank you for all you do. And thank you to all the wonderful yoga practitioners and teachers yes. out there. Yes. Thank you to the wonderful yoga teachers. You helped me so much back when I had like my first, you know, anxiety and yep. was my thirties and yoga has been a part, a very important part of my life ever since. So thank you. Thank yep. you. Thank you to you oh, and yoga and all of the amazing yoga instructors out there. Yeah. Well, it's a vision to how strong your aura is that I have that memory <laughs> of you in class. And, um, I don't usually talk too much about auras cause I'm more in the science mm -hmm. world, but mm -hmm. I do have mad respect for all of those things we can't logically mm -hmm. understand. Mm -hmm. I do too. And, um, and I really have a very strong memory 
of that. And I think that there's something there energetically that some people you just kind of feel their positive aura and it just really sticks with you. So this was great. This was great. I will, I will send this to you ASAP and then thank you so much. a little bit of follow up after. Namaste. All right. Thank you so much. Namaste. Have a wonderful rest of your day and thank I'll talk you. to you again soon. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and I just want to remind you, if you would like to get on the wait list for my two premier programs, the Blueprint Learning Program and my Mentorship Program, all you need to do is visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, and the links to get on the wait list for both of these programs are right on the homepage. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.